Cairo, Seattle. It's time to get schooled with a professor, Sean Clayton. And welcome to Schooled with a Professor. we got a lot to talk about here because the season's two weeks old. It's such a different season, and we're trying to hit all the trends and what's going on. And joining us on School with a Professor is Danny Kelly of The Ringer. And so, Danny, uh, I guess the big theme right now is that, uh, you know, I thought maybe defense was going to have the advantage with the with no preseason games and no offseason schedule. But as it turns out, it's offense. I mean, scoring at yeah. 25.15 a game, a total of like a almost seven point, a touchdown difference compared to the start of last year. Rushing totals are up. Uh, quarterback numbers are pretty good, except for maybe some of the older quarterbacks. But uh, what, what's your big observation as this season starts? Yeah, I think it was a question of kind of where we're going to see really sloppy football to start the season. I thought that might have been the case, but it turns out uh, the the way that they've called plays, the way that they've called penalties, I think the officials have come into the season with the mandate to essentially just call only clear and obvious penalties. And that has really cut down on a lot of the penalties that seem to slow games down. We've, we've, we've had a, like you said, a higher scoring game. I think it's actually the highest scoring two weeks in NFL, the first two weeks of the season in it since the 1970 merger. So um, historic scoring through two weeks. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that the officials are, are basically letting a lot of holding calls go, just offensive penalties overall um, are at an all time low. So it, it's, I think it's, an interesting thing that kind of it, it's a lot due to this COVID offseason where I think the NFL wanted teams to come in and, and put up some good numbers and kind of get people excited about football and all that. And so we're seeing the effect of that right now. Yeah, because I know that's one of the many things that I chart is and I haven't been able to get back and uh, you know get the different crews because all the crews are so different because it's now more mm-hmm. regional than anything else. But the one thing I know is that uh, the higher number of calls, the lower the scoring and the lower number of calls. And I think it was like 169 penalties in the first two weeks, if I'm not mistaken. But I know basically it was like 11, maybe it was 11 a game in the first week and 12 a game in week two. So it went up a little bit, but not as much as you mm-hmm. would think. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, offenses are going to kind of adapt to that and, and start seeing what they can get away with, you know, like how much holding they can get away with and, and what basically push the limits. I know that Pete Carroll is, is a big proponent of that kind of like probing and testing different officiating crews limits in terms of what they're, what they'll call. So that's that's something I'm going to be kind of watching closely as the rest of the season goes on. I don't think the NFL is going to make a big change, though. I think I think the idea is, um, you know, just clear and obvious penalties and, and basically letting these guys play. And that that's going to benefit the offense a lot. The other thing that uh, is very evident is that more teams are doing pre-snap motion than uh, ever before. I think you know in week one there was like 14 percent of the plays had pre-snap motion. So it seems like uh, that one trend is following through. Is that you're, everybody's copying Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay, and then the other is the increase in two tight end offenses. Seattle using more two tight end offenses. Tampa being almost exclusively a two tight end team. So it looks like those are the two main themes offensively, and they seem to be working. That's interesting. I didn't realize that about the two tight end thing. I'm, I'm curious, wonder what, why that might be. I, I'm, I've always been a big proponent of the pre-snap motion. I just think it's a good idea to, you know, make it as difficult on the defense as you can. Like when you have guys running across the, the formation at the snap, it 
you know, in effect, it, it helps to freeze second level defenders, defensive ends have to kind of think a little bit more. And when you have a defense that's thinking instead of just reacting or going straight up field, you know, they play a little bit slower. So we've seen teams like the Patriots and the Rams and the 49ers do that a ton over the last few years. And um, I think it's definitely a trend that's just going to continue to grow because it, it's effective and it, it makes things harder for the defense. Do I know when theories as to why the tight ends are starting to be more utilized. Yeah, in fact, I, I talked to Brian Billick about that a couple about a month or so ago, and what he what he was saying because again, you you saw there's more of a a bump as far as you know tight ends and you know more money spent on that second tight end that was before. Mm-hmm. And what he's saying is that he highly endorses it. If I said, what would be your choice, the pre snap motion or the Kyle Shanahan offense or the two tight ends? And he's and again, you're talking about a coach that put over 500 points in the board when he was on Minnesota. He said, no, I the two tight ends because for one, you know, it's harder to to be able for a defense to read what uh, you're going to do, whether it's going to be a run or a pass. And then what you sure. do, you put the defense in a position, like, for example, uh, the Patriots. They stayed with five defensive backs most of the time, but now you have bigger bodies going against smaller bodies if you're the offense. And whether it's on a pass catch or maybe some run blocking, uh, you can you can get an advantage. And Seattle was able to get 154 yards rushing on the New England Patriots against mostly a nickel defense. Yeah, I think that's that's such a fascinating evolution. And, you know, the NFL is a pendulum swing, right? Like everyone started doing 11 personnel, the three receiver sets. You said that starts having teams invest more heavily in nickelbacks and smaller defensive backs that they can, they can you know, have more speed and things like that in the defense. But now you got teams, the Patriots are always kind of, it feels like ahead of the curve. They, they've been big on this too. But, you know, getting some bigger guys going more run heavy, um, kind of going against the grain and, and taking advantage of these smaller, you know, they're faster offenses, but they're not as physical. So, um, yeah, I think that's a very interesting sort of pendulum swing in, in how the NFL goes. And it's just always, that's, that seems like it's how it is every year. There's always a pendulum swing one way or the other. Sticking with the Patriots, uh, uh, having just watched Cam Newton look fantastic, I, I, this is the, maybe, I think, one of the best versions we've seen of Cam Newton. I mean, certainly he runs the ball. He's had 26 uh, running plays in the first two games, but in the second half, I mean, he was passing like crazy, getting the ball mm-hmm. either to uh, N.K. Harry, uh, N- uh, K. Harry or getting the ball over to uh, Julian Edelman. Uh, but he completed over 71% of his passes. And this is a quarterback that has been great and looks still to be great, but he's a 59% completion guy. I mean, what, a, what yeah. an improvement. <laughs> I think that, yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy to think now that he had – very few suitors in free agency. I, I understand that people were, or that teams were a little bit worried about his injuries, you know, the foot injury, the shoulder injury, um, but he looks totally healthy. He looks like the, uh, the Cam Newton of old in terms of his ability as a runner. He's always been one of the most dangerous red zone, uh, just NFL players, offensive players in, in basically league history because of so much different things that he can do inside the red zone. But um, yeah, it was, it was cool to see him being able to pass with, you know, accuracy downfield. He wasn't sailing it. You know, he was throwing with the anticipation. I think it did help the Seahawks weren't getting a whole lot of pressure on him. But even when they did pressure him, you know, you saw him evade a, a sack or two when Jamal Adams would come up through like a gap or whatever. And so, yeah, he's playing at a really high level. I think it's a credit to the Patriots coaching staff, which we've always known is really good. <laughs> and, you know, they're proving it once again that they, they are able to build an offense that he's very comfortable with and, can hit the ground running in because, you know, they had such a short off season, no preseason. And 
this offense is already kind of like firing on all cylinders. So definitely a huge credit to Belichick and McDaniels and, um, you know, their ability to just build this offense around him. I know that uh, Josh Allen of Buffalo was Offensive Player of the Week, you know, being able to have back-to-back great games, putting up great numbers, getting points on the board, because he's a uh, 18 point uh, or 19.2 points a game starter. Uh, but now he's you know up to 28 points. But then how much do you judge that as his improvement, which looks good, particularly with the addition of Stephon Diggs at wide receiver, having a good three receiver mix. But the the interesting they they had to beat the Jets and the Dolphins, arguably two of the worst teams in football. <laughs> yeah, I think I mean that's the one thing you have to take everything with a little bit of a grain of salt. But I'm after the first two games, I, I definitely come out feeling pretty positive and about his development because he was so inaccurate last year down the field, especially on deep throws. That was like a huge sort of Achilles heel for him. And he came, he came out and he's showing that accuracy down the field. He's, you know, they've asked him to pass a ton. I think he's leading the NFL in passing yards right now. Um, so, uh, you know, I think, yeah, there's still time and he has to show that he's consistent and he's going to have to go up against tougher defenses and all those caveats apply. But, you know, through two weeks, I think I've been very impressed with his accuracy and particularly his deep ball accuracy because that was the big thing that was missing from his game last year. And so um, you, can, you can't feel you can't help but feel positive for like how he started the season. Oh, no doubt. Of course, uh, starting the season strong is the NFC West, which, you know, going in, arguably people thought it was going to be the best division in football, and now it even looks better despite the San Francisco injury bug. But the uh, 7-1 yeah. and start is uh, there's only one other time since they went to the 8th division format, and that was 2002 when the AFC West started out at a 7-1 and pace. Kind of sum up what you're seeing on the 7-1 uh, and start of the NFC West and where it's heading. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, with, with Arizona, we're seeing uh, what looks like a nice jump from Kyler Murray. You know, he's he's always been a very explosive and elusive runner, but I think he's showing some things that the pass for their offense is evolving, and obviously it helps a lot to have um, DeAndre Hopkins as his number one receiver now. That's That's been huge for him. Um, so, you know, I think that Arizona is going to be – you know, long-term, they're going to be really good. In, in this season, I think they're going to be competitive in the division. Um, I – came into the season thinking the Rams were going to bounce back. So um, it's kind of been fun to see how their offenses rebounded last year. They had so many injuries on the offensive line. It was just such a huge problem for them that they couldn't really get over until late in the season. They kind of figured it out later in the season, but, you know, early on in the season, it just was a huge, huge issue for them. This year, it seems like that offense is kind of not necessarily back to the level they were in 2018, but they're, you know, clicking it seems like Sean McVay kind of has his mojo back in terms of play calling, but doing a ton of that, you know, uh, pre-snap motion and deception and, and all that stuff that, that kind of like is the foundation of their offense. So they've looked really good to me. They have some defensive superstars. I think the Rams are going to be a, a, a playoff contender. And then, you know, the Seahawks, I've, I've always seen them as a 10 plus win team, even coming into the season, but the way that Russell Wilson is playing that right now and how, you know, dialed in he is, um, you know, again, they're another, I think, a, a, a what looks like a really good playoff team, too. So it's crazy that the 49ers are, like, sort of the odd man out here. You know, they're mostly due to injury, honestly. Like, their injury situation has just snowballed on them. And so um, it'll be interesting to see if they can kind of keep afloat over the next few weeks. they got a pretty easy schedule over the next few weeks and if they can get some guys back healthy. But, 
the injury situation has a chance to kind of like sink sink their hopes in a really really tough division. Yeah. Now, again, I thought the Rams were going to drop off, and I looked to be wrong on that one. And again, I'm pleased because they're kind of a fun team to watch. But uh, yeah. what what you're looking at is okay. You got Aaron Donald, you have Jalen Ramsey, and you have Michael Brockers. But does anybody even know any of the other eight starters on defense? <laughs> it's like I don't know no. who they are. Yeah. It's it's. You hear their names, like they're starting to be more household names, you know, but like for the most part, I absolutely agree with you. Like I, I hadn't really heard about these guys, like their safety, John Johnson. Maybe it's just because his name is so like generic that you just kind of forget about him, but he's been good. Um, they have rookie safety, Jordan Fuller, who I think has played pretty well. They also have Taylor Rapp, who's, um, you know, second year guy that I think is promising for them. But yeah, it, it's a bunch of young kind of unknown guys that are playing big roles for them. And we'll see if they can continue to play at a high level. But I think when you have the foundation of Aaron Donald in the front, Jalen Ramsey in the back, um, that gives you the opportunity to kind of fill in with some role players and still be okay. They just need to be average. If, if the offense can be really good, I think the defense, even if it's just average, that, that team can compete. In the injury situation was very predictable uh, because you saw back in 2011 that uh, with no off-season program, injuries spiked 44% increase in hamstring injuries, double the Achilles tendon tears, and more than 50 ACL tears. Uh, uh, this week, too, was the worst I can ever remember as far as the injuries. Mm-hmm. You know, seven ACL tears. Uh, and Achilles tear, lots of other big injuries to a point where I could see as many as 25 to 30 starters not being able to make it back from week two to week three. But this was predictable. Yeah. I mean, it, we, we talked about it before. I, I was expecting a lot of soft tissue injuries. It's the ACLs and things like that. I'm, it's just kind of, I don't know if it's a bad coincidence or if it's somehow related to you know, all these guys just having to ramp up so quickly. But, yeah, it's, it's definitely really tough, especially such star players. You know, you got Nick Bosa, uh, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey. These are, you know, big pieces for their teams, just potentially losing. You know, obviously Bosa's out for the year, Barkley's out for the year, McCaffrey's out for at least a month probably. And, you know, there's a bunch of other names in there that um, maybe not quite as well-known, but obviously big impact injuries. So I was, you know, I was expecting more soft injuries soft tissue injuries that could kind of keep guys sidelined, but these season enders are just really tough to see. Yeah, but again, uh, particularly week one, there was a rash of hamstring injuries uh, mm-hmm. about, uh, well, I know at least uh, 12 that knocked out starters, and that was that was huge, and a bunch of guys that toward the end of camp got hamstring injuries, and so there was, there, there's plenty of soft tissue injuries, and I, I hate to say, there's probably going to be many more coming up this weekend. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, it's just it's, these these players are like high level players, and they, and we they basically had no ramp up period. You know, they had like 14 padded practices or something like that. Typically, they're working out all summer, you know, OTAs and, and things like that, and training camp. And so, yeah, that's the reason that we have training camp. The reason the NFL is, makes it such a big deal. Um, and I think that you know, obviously, it's out of their control. But that's the reason that we're seeing so many of these. And I, like you said, I expect more, you know, over the next few weeks here. Two surprises uh, that I didn't expect. Uh, Jacksonville getting the win over Indianapolis and then coming yeah. back and staying pretty even in a three-point loss to Tennessee. And then Cincinnati, you know, a team that uh, was going with Joe Burrow and Burrow coming out in week two, getting 37 to 61 completions. You know, that caught me cold. Another one that surprised me because of the strange story with the Chargers because apparently uh, the team doctor, you know, gave a rib injection to Tyrod Taylor and 
and he ended up uh, busting his lung. And so now yeah. Justin Herbert comes out and he plays even with Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> I know that was that was I think the biggest surprise for me because I was expecting big things from Burrow. I thought. You know, I, I thought he would hit the ground running. He's just that kind of player. He's so confident and, and so accurate. I kind of thought that we would see that. I, I was not expecting that from Herbert. I thought he was more of like maybe a two-year project. You see him in his second year, he starts to, you know, get a little bit better. But he came out, and I want to say he threw for like the third or the fourth most yards of any rookie making his debut. So, obviously, that's pretty good, and especially going up against the defending champs. There was a few throws I went back and watched last night. There's a few throws he, he missed, and you know he was not mistake-free. But I think overall you actually feel really good about how he played if you're the Chargers and the way that he was able to get Keenan Allen involved, the way that he was able to get Austin Eckler involved in the passing game a little bit more. I think those things are so important because those are your best players. You want to get your best players doing what they do best. And, you know, I didn't really feel that Tyrod Taylor was doing that in week one. So, you know, with Taylor out, it sounds like they're potentially going to be out for a few weeks. We heard indefinitely this morning from Adam Schefter, so I don't know what that means. But um, it sounds like Herbert's going to get a chance to kind of go in there again. And um, I'm expecting him to be up and down. You know, he's he's getting – I think they play the Panthers this week, so that's an easy matchup in terms of defense. But um, going forward, they have a couple of tough, like, teams on their schedule. So I'm expecting him to be up and down. But overall, I was very impressed with what he did, and, and you know, especially considering he didn't practice all week, or at least didn't practice with the first team all week. He wasn't really expecting to start. Yeah, finally, a quick one here. Kansas City plays Baltimore this week, and uh, you know, it's it's interesting because you know Patrick Mahomes is still getting rated as the best quarterback in football. Kansas City may be the best team, but he's had to bring this team from behind double-digit games six consecutive weeks. There's six consecutive games going back to last year. And here's Lamar Jackson in Baltimore just absolutely pummeling any team that they face. What do you see happening? Uh, You know, I'm leaning the Ravens in this one. I actually, I I did, I do the power rankings for, for the ringer and I, I just moved Baltimore up to number one. I had Casey number one before, but man, they just look to me like they're coasting at this point. You know, like you said, they just, they just can dominate teams in a way that few other teams can do it. And, you know, they have such a dominant run uh, run game. They have such a developing, emerging, explosive passing offense with Lamar Jackson. Their defense is really good. Their special teams are elite. So they just have so many ways to beat you. Um, it's one of those things where it feels like if Baltimore's going to lose, they have to kind of like have multiple things go wrong. It's uh, They have a lot of built-in redundancy to be like a really competitive team every single game. And so if they're going to lose, a lot of things have to go wrong. Now, the Chiefs have a way of doing that to teams. So I think this is going to be a really fun fun game. If Mahomes gets cooking and gets gets in the flow of the, of the offense earlier in this game, he, he was a little bit slow to start last week. Um, but if he can get going a little earlier, that'll give him a much better chance against this Baltimore team who can control the game really, you know, by – running the ball and playing really good defense and, and, you know, asking Lamar Jackson to just kind of take a few deep shots here and there and they can really control the clock and the game. Danny Kelly of the ringer where can everybody read the stuff along with anything that you also have on podcasts or anything else? Yeah, you can find my work at the ringer.com. I co-host a fantasy football podcast called the ringer fantasy football show. Okay. And, and where can and get that on uh, all the fantasy football yeah, show, yeah. right? Yep, you can get that anywhere you get your uh, your podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, all that stuff. Okay, Danny Kelly, thanks for joining us on Schooled with the Professor. Lots of interesting trends and things to talk about. Absolutely. Thanks, John. 
And that does it for this week's podcast. In between episodes, you can follow me on Twitter at Clayton ESPN. If you enjoy these weekly one-on-one conversations, consider leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to the show. Thanks for listening. See you next time on Schooled with the Professor.